Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi everyone, welcome to the call here on Ausbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. Nice to have your company for the next hour or so as we run through 10 stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to our two experts on our panel. We do it all in one hour. I include a stock of the day. Um, Don May, the uh, the boss of Domino's, coming up very shortly. Uh, they reported this morning, so I thought I'd make Domino's, which is pretty popular here on the call uh, amongst all of you watching for uh, and get Don to go through the latest results and see what uh, our panel think of that as well. Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Andrew, how are you, sir? Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Good to have you <laughs> aboard. Uh, Great combination, ETF Whisperer. So we have a number of ETFs on the agenda for today. And uh, Henry with his insights as well. Guys, Dom May coming up shortly. Um, Henry, what did you uh, you think of the <laughs> Domino's result today? Uh, well, I, I don't wish to be uh, Debbie Downer with this one. Uh, obviously, the uh, the market liked the results up 8% on the back yeah. of it. Not huge volumes, I have to say. And I guess Don said all the right things about, uh, you know, fighting back against burgers, etc. I, I have a very, I'm not a big fan of Domino's, I must admit, mainly because I'm not a big fan of the product. I, I think if you're going to oh. eat carbs, you might as well eat good carbs. And I think Uber Eats and all the uh, the gig economy services to bring food to your door have really made some significant inroads into yeah. the USP that was Domino's. And for a long time, Don tried to sell this stock as a tech stock, you know, based on that you'd be able to see what the driver was listening to as he was delivering your pizza and all this. I don't care what music the driver's listening to. I just want the pizza there to be good, hot and delivered on time. Uh, they put prices up. That certainly failed uh, in a big way and the stock has been languishing for some time. I guess this is the first sign that maybe things are improving. They're fighting back against burgers. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, even though they're talking about no raising the prices because of cost of living pressures, etc., making it a very cheap alternative uh, for families, you know, there, there is an awful lot of choice out there now in terms of uh, food delivery. Mm. Uh, and Domino's for me is not really high on my agenda. It's had a good run today. Uh, I yeah. think you know there's some some relief that things weren't so bad. They cut the dividend, uh, and obviously Don talks a good uh, story, and I'm no doubt that he will continue to do so. So I'm hoping he's not watching this uh, in the prelim. But yeah, not not for me. I must admit, even though it's rallied eight percent today, uh, it's it's um, I, I think there are better elsewhere. Yeah, Andrew, what's your view on the result? Oh, look, it wasn't a bad result, and that's probably why it's running, because around 6% of the company shorted. So in other words, some, uh, it's, and it's not a historical high for the shorting. I think it's been as high as 10% shorted. So in other words, what we're saying is people selling shares in anticipation 
of the result being not so great or not make it not meeting market expectations and then those people who sold at a certain price hoping to be able to buy them back down the track at a at a, uh, at a better price or lower price into the future so six percent of the company shorted so no great surprise to see the bounce and keeping prices as is you know might arrest the market share slide but it's not really a long-term strategy is it Mm -hmm. Uh, in particular when you've still got rising input costs, in particular around labour. So, again, P of 29, um, it's looking pretty sort of fully priced. If you can look at its peers, peers are trading at around 23 times. So, uh, yeah, again, sort of not a great warm-up act, I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah, not not really feeling it, Koshi. All right. Let's, um, uh, across the um, first half hour of the show today, um, you want us to have a look at AMP, Premier Investments, uh, Vanek Australian Banks ETF. As I said, we've got the the uh, ETF Whisperer on the show today. Uh, Vanek Australian Equal Weight ETF is another one that um, you want us to take a look at. And we'll finish this half hour up with Nine Entertainment. Um, uh, so it has been a huge day in terms of results on the market today. We've had a whole bunch coming out. We've had uh, um, uh, Meg O'Neill from Woodside here in the studio today talking about their latest result. I noticed Santos came out. Another big one on the market today has been Woolworths, which has um, uh, cautioned um, about the future. Uh, uh, Woolworths share price up about 4.5% on the back of their result today, which was a solid result, but the outlook from Woolworths saying shoppers are becoming a whole lot choosier, a whole lot pickier in uh, terms of uh, what they are looking for at the moment and the the size of the shopping basket um, at Woolworths stores are certainly changing quite rapidly. So uh, Woolworths there with an interesting um, outlook um, uh, ahead. Um, let's uh, take a look at the Domino's result though. Domino's uh, sliced its dividend 30% as full year net profit slides 60% to uh, $67 million due to weaker orders, but has flagged an improvement in earnings in the year ahead. Uh, Domino's saying margins and earnings were hurt by the decision to raise prices in order to protect against extraordinary inflation which led to fewer meals sold in response. Uh, Chief Executive Don May uh, says the business will not be passing on those inflationary costs to customers through higher prices than FY24. Uh, Still sales growth in Europe, Australia and New Zealand have started the new fiscal year reasonably strong with the company remaining cautiously optimistic depending on the speed of Asia returning to volume growth. So uh, uh, Don May uh, will be joining us very shortly to uh, give us his view and uh, and what shareholders can take out of it. Uh, while we're waiting for Don to come in, uh, let's go to the stocks you want us to take a look at. And uh, Keith Andrew wants a view on AMP, the uh, uh, financial services household brand that has been a little tarnished oh, for about 10 years now, hasn't it been? Um, what do you think of AMP? I'm interested in your sort of um, spectrum of tarnished, you know, <laughs> a little tarnished. Um, 
Yeah, no, they uh, they certainly have had a pretty rough run. And, of course, you'd remember, Koshi, when they floated back in uh, the late 1990s yep. at, uh, you know, $19 a share. And um, it's just been quite the uh, the slippery slope ever since. And, you know, there's obviously a few things in play. Uh, in particular, the Royal Commission wasn't friendly for the financial services sector in general. But probably the other issue, Koshi, is around this whole sort of active versus uh, passive um, uh, piece from a funds management point of view. And a lot of these older style fund managers that were charging 1% to 2% per annum and uh, returns being pretty hard for them and when they weren't returning money has left and then of course as we've pointed out many times ETFs have really sort of filled that void so few things going on with inside the business obviously a lot of structural stuff outside the business and uh, as a consequence they're now trying to reinvent themselves selling off parts of their business really the business now comes down to just both financial services you know the wealth management bit that's about 800 million and also the banks at 400 million it's trading in line with its peers um, but the return on equity is at three percent it's only an eight percent profit margin i i'm finding it pretty hard to get um, excited about this koshi the only reason you probably stay in there is on the hope and it is just that the hope that someone would come and take them over but that's a pretty long bow to draw so because if you're stuck there you may as well keep holding it but I certainly wouldn't be chasing it. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, back to your stocks very shortly. In the meantime, we have been joined by Don May, the Chief Executive of Domino's. Uh, Don, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, market, yeah. l- market likes the results. Share price up 7.5%. Uh, what's there to like in it? Yeah, I think, you know, look, last year was a very tough year for us. I've been doing this for 36 years, and and the inflation we took, particularly in Europe, was, uh, was incredibly painful. And... And uh, yeah, we didn't handle it as well as we could have. But you know, one year later, we've uh, we especially in Europe and Australia, New Zealand, we're enjoying records. We're enjoying strong sales, and I think shareholders were looking for that. Is that um, you know building it first with the customer? The customer rejected some of our early ways that we passed through inflation, and uh, and for example, with our delivery service fee, which we've now unwound. Um, but now they're enjoying the stability in our, our pricing and the new products that we're launching. Um, and our the area that suffered the most was delivery, and delivery is really rebounding quite strongly, uh, particularly in Europe and Australia. Okay, is the worst behind you? Is this the end of the downgrade cycle for Domino's? Yeah, I think we've hit the bottom. I think we're being cautiously optimistic because we reported today of our 12 markets, we still need more recovery in Japan and Taiwan. Taiwan um, was the last to come out of the COVID lockdowns last year. And so we're rolling the tailwinds um, that we had last year in Taiwan. And that rolls out in October, November. And then Japan, um, whilst our carryout business is quite strong, um, it was the fastest growth business for us in the last five years. And and we grew a lot of that during that COVID period. And the reset has taken us a little bit longer to deliver in that market. Um, But the same things that we're doing in Europe and the same things we're doing in Australia and New Zealand will apply in Japan. And you're saying you're going to be absorbing a lot of the costs going forward rather than passing them on to customers. How do you do that? How do you do that and still keep your margin and make a return to to shareholders? 
Yeah, look, it's a really good question. And uh, so if you just look at the landscape today is that while we still get wage inflation around the world, we're expecting some significant increases coming in Europe um, and even in Asia on a relative basis. I mean, you've talked about Japan's been a deflationary environment for 30 years and for the first time seeing real wage growth. And so even though it's smaller than, say, Australia or smaller than Europe, it's still material on a relative basis. So you've got wage inflation still happening. But on the other end, we've got um, savings now coming through from our soft commodities. Uh, cheese is our biggest uh, soft commodity, and we're back to pre-COVID prices with cheese. Uh, we're seeing wheat prices come down, protein prices come down. So we're getting savings, and that's negating uh, the wages. But we've also got energy cost improvements. We've got transport cost improvements. Uh, so these things, uh, we're really saying that it's this year. You know, if inflation continues beyond this year, of course, we're going to have to uh, make sure that we can find ways to pass that through. Um, but right now, when we look 12 months out, knowing the contracts we've got in place, uh, we feel pretty good about keeping um, prices where they are. Um, competition from the likes of Uber Eats, um, other delivery services, you led the way in that. And you've got now all these other options coming through. Is that a, is that a, a unique service that's now been watered down? And is that making a difference? It's really interesting. So only Domino's will deliver Domino's. And so we actually see um, the likes of the menu logs, which is takeaway.com out of the Netherlands and Uber out of the US and so on. We see them as just marketplaces. And so we still go into those marketplaces. And uh, but but different to we, you won't get an Uber driver delivering your food today. It's a Domino's driver. You'd be surprised to see that actually the fastest growth part of our business in um, Australia, in Germany, um, in New Zealand right now is actually our sales coming out of the aggregators. And what happened is that oh. our natural competitors are burgers and fried chicken. And whilst we took our prices too quickly, they're now passing on their prices and we're not passing on the prices. So we're actually looking more competitive and we're getting really fantastic share, especially on Uber. That's that's a real rock star for us at the moment. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. The big question, proof is in the pudding. I always go through director transactions um, with any results. You were buying in November last year at these prices. Are you going to be a buyer personally? We've got a, a DRP put in place right now. And so that's natural for uh, for you know shareholders like myself to, to be able to top up in this window. And uh, yeah, I'm a long holder. And, and as I earn my options, I have to be able to build my uh, shareholding over, over the period to come. And doing it 36 years, and I hope I'm here for a lot longer. Okay. Don May, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Kachi. Bye. There you go, Don May, the, uh, the boss of Domino's, up 7 8% this morning. Um, Andrew, what's your, your takeout from, uh, from Don's chat then? Oh, and, you know, it's great that you're able to get all these CEOs on first, Koshi, so well done to you in that regard. But and I, again, took, I took really a leaf out of your book asking when director transactions are going to be coming because that's one of your big filters, isn't it? I, I, as soon as I, as soon as you did that, I'm pointing at the screen, going, "Go, Koshi, stick it into him." <laughs> so, uh, well done. Thank I'm you for channeling your you. inner Andrew. Yes, exactly. Yes, thank you for channeling your inner Andrew. That's well done. A uh, few more things to pick up, and I'll get you there by the end of the year, I'm sure. But um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I didn't really hear anything that alarmed me, so that right. was good. But, you know, in particular, that answer that he gave you around, you know, it was a really good question you asked about the margin thing. And I didn't really think the answer, his answer really answered the question. Yeah. All I got was 
um, you know, our competitors are now starting to do it. But again, to my point before, what's the long-term strategy? This is yeah. all short-term stuff. So good yeah. interview yeah. from you, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't change my point. Um, Henry, he says the likes of Uber Eats, uh, one of the the, uh, the big advantages of them at the moment, yeah. the aggregators are uh, fastest, fastest growing part of their business. Uh, yep, but if you can order good pizza or bad pizza, and it gets delivered, which would you rather order? <laughs> All right, that's a brilliant. I rest, well, I, I rest my case. Well, I mean, if you're going to eat, if you're going to eat dodgy carbs, you might as well eat good dodgy carbs. <laughs> Depends if you like Domino's or not. But uh, anyhow. All right. Okay. Um, look, before Don yeah. came, came on, we got Andrew's view on uh, AMP uh, because oh. uh, because Keith wants a view on on AMP, the uh, the once sort of um, what what would you call it, the bastion of the financial services uh, yeah. sector many years ago. Not so much today. Uh, yes, I, I have a metaphor for AMP, I guess. Uh, for many people in Sydney will know that the AMP building has stead, well, stood steadfast on the harbour foreshore for yep. an awful long time. It's one of the first big skyscrapers in Sydney. There is, an amazingly, a director's cocktail lounge at the top of that building, which has a rather nice view of the harbour bridge for the directors. I've had the lucky privilege of being up there once. Um, but for me, the metaphor was that uh, they built a new building and retained the old facade and the old building as well. Uh, and they did, it took a long time to reconstruct uh, yeah. the building behind. And to some extent, that is what the stock has been doing. It's it stood uh, for decades and then was in disrepair. And they have sort of done the place up a bit and put on new things. I, I guess for me, there's probably easier stories. They did beat estimates. Uh, certainly, it looks like I guess the worst is behind it. They've reached a settlement with the shareholder class action recently as well. The market's like that. It's popped up to sort of $1.20, $1.25 again. It's done this before and then kind of had the, the, the strength sapped out of it. I think, you know, if, if you're patient, uh, this will probably reward you. It, it's certainly here a hold. I don't think there's too many nasties on the horizon. Uh, maybe some capital management uh, coming down the pipeline at some stage as well, maybe towards no. the end of the year. So it does have its attractions. I just think it's it's one of those stories that's still quite hard. It's it's not an easy one to grapple with, and it does have that um, that harbour site kind of mm. all the the, um, the legacy issues that are associated with it as well. So okay. it's not an easy, it certainly isn't my go-to in the financial sector. Okay. And when you look at something like Hub Twenty Four, which uh, had some really good results the other day, you can you can see where the future lies as opposed to where the past is. Yeah, and we've uh, got net wealth coming up a bit later in the show yep. as well. Um, what about let's turn our attention to retail, Henry, and uh, uh, first retailer off the stack today, Ken wants a. Uh, uh, to know about Premier Investments, Sol Solomon Lou's investment vehicle. Pretty good results this week. Exciting sort of plans to hive off Smiggle and Peter Alexander as well. Uh, yeah, I guess this is the the, uh, the two plus two equals five kind of situation where they're trying to liberate some of that value that Smiggle and Peter Alexander have got compared to some of the old sort of legacy brands like Just Jeans, etc. So, it was a good result. The interesting thing was, though, that Richard uh, Murray, who was the guy they employed from JB Hi-Fi, uh, resigned. Uh, he was the CEO uh, quite abruptly as well in some respects. He hasn't been there long, has he? 
No, not long at all. I think he's going in uh, mid-September. So he's resigned from the board and resigned from being CEO, which I guess, you know, he obviously wasn't happy perhaps with the uh, the move from Soliluta to at least examine the possibility of demerging these. Are you going to end up with kind of Smeagol and Peter Alexander being good premier and you're going to have Just Jeans and a few other brands. Mm. Uh, Dotty, I think, is one of their other brands uh, in the sort of the so bad like, premier. Like Tab Corp and Lottery Corp. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, sometimes two and two doesn't actually make five. Yeah. It just still makes four. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the market has liked this. Clearly, there is some some value in, in Smiggle and Peter Alexander. They have been mm. the driving force. They are going well. Peter Alexander's knocking the lights out of it at the moment. So the, the market does like it. Solly Lou's a, a very, very good operator. But I think for me, there's still, I guess, some question marks over why uh, the JB Hi-Fi guy left quite so abruptly. Mm. What he didn't like, uh, you'd imagine that he'd have been in line to run the Smiggle and Peter Alexander side of things rather than the Just Jeans, which probably wouldn't have suited his skill set. So there, there has been quite quiet on that front in terms of uh, PR, etc. Uh, the stocks rallied. I'd probably be selling into this rally, uh, you know, mm. around 26, 26 and a half bucks okay. on the back of this big rally. Andrew? Yeah, look, everything that Henry said, I mean, Solly Lou is, uh, you know, probably the master retailer in the country. Uh, so certainly that's a win. And again, the old demerger piece that certainly, as Henry was just saying, has the market uh, quite excited, but has it run too far too early? Because, you know, we haven't got any real details at this stage. And as, you know, Andrew's amber flashing light moment, um, you know, when you've got such a highly credentialed CEO leaving after mm. such such a short period of time that without a lot of explanation, that's sort of, it's almost what they're not saying as opposed to what they're saying. So he, took, that basis, he, he took over from Mark McGuinness, didn't he, ex-DJs, who was there for years and years and years. So had a great working relationship with Solomon Lee. So you, th- you almost think to yourself, well, you know, it was their mm. almost personality clash, a clash of cultures between you know, the two top people. And Solly has every right to say, well, mate, you did yep. it my way because I built this empire. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the thing, you know. Yep, sorry. That, 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 that is the thing with this. I mean, there's, there's obviously, you know, a couple of egos here at play uh, and we haven't had much detail, but clearly there has been some falling out, although that was very mm. uh, stressed by the company that there wasn't any falling out. But clearly, you know, when you're used to running your own show, yeah. sometimes with uh, Banquo's ghost standing behind you in Solly Lou, uh, it may be a little harder yeah. than uh, he had at JB yeah. Hi-Fi. And you can, you can understand maybe why he's moving on, yeah. but... It is not a very long time to have been there. Yeah. He would have known that at the beginning uh, and would have taken that into account when he took the gig. So, yeah, it's, it's unusual. But as I say, you know, we, we like this one lower down. It's had a massive rally on the back of this news. Yeah. I'd be happy to sell it to this And Andrew, today. are you a seller as well? Yeah, I think you'd sell into this rally. There'll be an opportunity to buy back in again because right. the demerger stir is generally you can unlock value, but not at these levels. Okay. 10, 15% cheaper. All right. All right, Whisperer, Hector wants a view on the Vanek Australian Banks ETF. First of all, I suppose you've, uh, you've got to like the banks. <laughs> well, do you, though, I mean, how's, how, how's that strategy gone over the last 12 months, liking the banks? Is yeah. that Has that paid out so well? <laughs> no. Um, 
just just as a very short aside without trying to turn this into an ad for Andrew, I had a meeting with a client yesterday and three years ago we changed them from direct Australian shares into ETFs. And she said, Andrew, at the time I thought you'd lost your mind. And I said, I oh, thank you, client. I really appreciate that warm, positive affirmation. <laughs> and she said, it's the best thing that we did because she said, you know, previously when I client wanted dividend, you had me full of banks and all that sort of stuff. And I had I looked at the price we sold them at three years ago as to where they are now. And, you know, they're right. not, apart from CBA, the rest of them yep. are all under pressure. So I'm not saying my client's the harbinger, but if you step you step back and have a look, banks are under a bit of pressure. Anyway, let's talk about MVB. So if you're trying to work out which is the better bank to buy and you're not really sure, then this is probably the way in which to do it. It's from Van Eck, as we heard before, and they've got, what's their funds under management, $170 million worth. And in essence, it's the big four banks plus Macquarie that makes up about 97% of this ETF. And yeah. then you've got a bit of Bendigo and you've also got a bit of BOQ in there as well. So it's a way in which you get exposure to the banks, but rather than trying to work out which is the better one, this can do it all in one go. But to your initial point, Koshi, it's just trying to work out should you have banks in there to begin with, or if so, given that banks are about 28% of the index, I think it is, do you need such a heavy weighting in your portfolio or can you maybe use this as a tool to give yourself bank exposure, but perhaps not as high weighting? Right. Okay. So would you be in it? So me personally, I don't hold this and yeah. my clients don't hold it. So it's a hold. Okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but we're going to talk about one in a minute that I'm much more okay. interested in. All right. Henry, would you even go near it? Um, well, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's an ETF that has five stocks. You know, yeah. we've got four banks and Macquarie. They're 20% each, pretty much. So that's it. So you're buying five stocks. You might as well buy five stocks as this ETF if you like the banks. But the big question always is, do you like the banks? Now, our banks make collectively around $32 billion in cash profits, which they're you know, much maligned over. They're very strong, but they are cyclical businesses. You look at this, uh, you look at the charts of this one, and you can see that this one trades in a range. It has its ups mm. and it has its downs. Uh, and those days of holding the banks forever and a day and picking up the dividends, that may suit some, but you have to think that your capital is probably not going to go too far up and probably not too far down either in the long run. I, I created, I think it was about 10 years ago, what I call the big bank basket, and Andrew will know it well from the newsletter. And that was the day when you could buy all four banks, the big four banks, for 100 bucks. It was the 100 buck chuck. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, uh, I think, back in 2013. It was the high of it was in uh, May, I think, 2015. It got to $212. Uh, it did get to lows back down towards 106 at one stage post Royal Commission or during the Royal Commission. It's now around 170 odd bucks. Right. So you've made 70 odd percent in the last uh, 10 years, which is not not bad, given that I have to say that was a pretty depressed period. And that doesn't include any dividends or mm. any capital returns. Okay. That's just straight adding up the bank share prices. So it's not been bad, but you do have to time the banks. They are cyclical. At the moment, they are under some pressure. The US banks are having some downgrades from the rating agencies, which weighs on ours. We've seen recently that the net interest margins are coming under pressure with our banks. Competition is high. What has been heartening, I guess, when you look at the numbers that we've seen recently, is that the bad debts and those 90-day arrears, et cetera, 
have not been bad at all. They've, they've edged up, but nowhere near or where the media would have us believe mm. that the, the uh, banks were heading. So solid, brilliant businesses. They are money machines. You pull the handle, the money drops out, the dividends drop out for shareholders. Fantastic. But they are not set and forget. They are things that you need to time if you're going to look for capital growth. This is as good as any ETF in terms of that. Five stocks, 20% in each. You know, it, it, it's pretty simple. Is this really, a like. time to buy banks in the cycle then? Um, I don't think it is. Right. I, th I think there is. Uh, I think I would be holding the banks, but I certainly wouldn't be buying them as yet. I think there's. You know, I think we could see a bit of sideways until we get a complete resolution of the mortgage cliff and we see an abatement of right. the competition in uh, in in house loans. Okay. Uh, Andrew, you said you were uh, you indicated teased if you like uh, that you were more favorable to the Vanek Australian equal weight ETF why indeed well Koshi of course we know there is but one ETF to rule them all yeah. qual qual however however a very close second and oh. certainly has pride of place in the Saran super fund is MVW from Van Eck. Okay. And uh, what it is, it's an equal weight strategy or another factor. So, you know, we talk about quality being a factor, qual. Another factor to think about when you're thinking about ETFs is equal weight. So if you can indulge me, and I know we're running late on time, but this it is important. So if we look at, say, STW as an example, we look at the broad market, then it's about 28% banks, 24% resources, 9% CSL, et cetera. And so those bigger names make up a high percentage of the index. So the other 180-odd names make up a small percentage of the index. So those bigger names, they have a bad time, drags the index down. What MVW does is it says, well, that's all really interesting, but we're actually just going to buy 80 companies mm. and somewhere between 1.3 and one and a half, sorry, between 1.3 and 1.5% of each. So instead mm. of the banks being 28%, the banks might be 8%. Or yeah. if resources, instead yeah. of being 24%, might be 5%. And so therefore, you're taking that concentration risk out. And if you look at the returns over the last 10 years, this equal weight strategy has added about 2% per annum to growth returns, not, um, well, I guess it's total returns as well, but the growth equation, because again, you're not having sort of these these yeah. peaks and troughs. You've got that sort of 80 names in there. So it's got AGL, realestate.com, all those sort of names, plus all the big ones. So I like it a lot. Mm, and I okay. think it's a really good one to have as part of the barbell direct equities or your passive ETF at this side equal weight ETF on that side. There's a there's a US-based version as well, again, right. running out of time, but certainly for Australia, MVW. Okay. Oh, Henry, you are equally on board? Uh, no, but Andrew has given a great background. Again, this one's cyclical. It's been trading in a range for the last six months. Um, yeah, it's it just follows the index to an, to an extent, but uh, probably better than the index because you don't have CSL, which has been a bit of a dog. Hmm. There, I've said it. Oh, I can't believe you've said that. Cannot I'm believe you've said that. Quite happy to have said that because it has been a bit of a dog. Well, is it still, uh, is it is it on the verge of barking though? Well, it's been uh, it's been certainly growling. I don't know if it's been barking. We uh, we we've been uh, looking at buying buying it, but it's it's coming out of the kennel. But um, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's still right. still been a bit of a dog, and it's hurt the performance of the ASX two hundred. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. So do you like this EDF? Would you be in it? Uh, 
No, I think Andrew summed it up brilliantly, and uh, it does take away some of the risk of the big cap concentrations, the okay. BHP, the four banks, and CSL, which is right. our market. That's it. Okay. All right. So boats are, uh, yes, it's good to be in. Um, all right. Our fifth stock uh, going into uh, Intermedia. Carl wants a view, Henry, on Nine Entertainment Group, the owner, obviously, of the Nine Network, newspapers like SMH and Age. Big slice of domain, uh, got Stan in the streaming area, uh, radio stations. Yeah, is it just me or is Stan absolute rubbish? Uh, oh. It is just terrible. Uh, I've got to say, it's the one service that I really Yellowstone. don't think, think I'm going to. Yellowstone. Yellowstone run out of oomph. It did, it did run out of oomph. Oh. It, the, the story got repetitive. John part, Dutton. In part the, in the part last two of Yellowstone comes in November. Part Can't two. wait for that. Yeah, oh, the, first, the second half of the series of oh, this latest... Um, the first half of the first of the last series just got me. I love Beth. She's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I could imagine you'd like Beth. She yeah, has that, got friend. aggressive personality. I wouldn't want to meet you in a dark lane or Beth. <laughs> she's, she's my kind of lady. Yeah, I, I bet Yep. She's got some serious spirit, that woman. Um, now, back to Nine Entertainment, uh, I guess. Um, it hasn't been very entertaining in the uh, the free-to-air space. Uh, Seven West has not been uh, particularly good. Now, Nine has got their results out tomorrow, so right. we may be preempting things a little bit. Uh, we're looking for MPAT around 267 mil, uh, revenue, et cetera, 1.3 for broadcast. 583 for uh, digital and publishing. It's obviously got domain in there as well. So it's probably a little early to uh, to make any forecasts about uh, nine based on the numbers because we haven't seen them. It's not easy out there, I just imagine, in, in mm. free-to-wear. The well, seven spending. result was terrible. And seven result was terrible. Oh, media and they was had okay, the Matildas. Though. You know, they had the media. Uh, they had the Matildas as well. Yeah. So you think they'd have been talking that one up. And, and nine didn't have that. You know, Channel 10... Uh, is Paramount's not doing that flash. So it, it's a tough market. I think, you know, Umedia, maybe that was uh, a pretty good result, all things considered. Mm. It'll remain to see what the results are tomorrow. I suspect, you know, it's been down in the dumps and sold down on the back of seven. So there's probably a little bit of bounce into it. But I'm I'm not sure I'm a long-term holder of free-to-air okay. given what's happening in streaming, et cetera. All right. Andrew? Uh, look, PE of 11 on face value looks appear, appealing rather, but it is highly cyclical. And even though I think we can rule recession out for Australia, we can't completely. It depends on how many more times the RBA goes with their interest rates. Consumer discretionary spending is being pulled back. So lots of reasons not to be in media in general. Um, again, big risk buying coming into the result. But on balance, even if we knew the result, okay. I'd still say it's a hold at best. A hold for Yellowstone coming up. Uh, <laughs> mind you, I'd never got into billions. And I, I've downloaded the first two series of Billions to binge on a plane over the next ah. couple of days. Yeah, well, B- Billions was good. Billions, yeah, the first well, the new series. series were very good. Yeah. But the, the, the one prior to the one that's just been released was awful. Ah, um, okay. And I lost the plot and Damien Lewis wasn't in it. But, uh, he's, but he's back. back. Yes. Axe is back. 
All right. Um, and it's, it's good, but it did get a bit caught up okay. in its own oh, company. There you go. That's on stand. All right. Let's, let's recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day, uh, Domino's uh, reported today, had Don May on a little earlier, the chief executive. Uh, our result didn't impress either Henry or Andrew. They wouldn't be getting uh, back into the stock on that basis. Uh, AMP, a, um, a no from Andrew, a hold from... Henry, uh, Andrew did have a hold if you if you're already in it, but no new money from either. Uh, Premier Investments sell into the big spike up, into the rally over the last couple of days from both. Vanek, uh, Australian Bank's ETF, uh, hold from both. Vanek equal weight a buy from both, and Nine Entertainment hold from. Andrew, a no from Henry. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own. Uh, fantasy investment fund uh, you know where to see the investment committee meeting osbiz.com uh, we're running a bit short of time on this hour so we will skip through uh, what the last investment committee meeting did um, but in the next uh, 20 minutes or so we're going to run through Metcash Beach Energy Netwealth Group Fletcher Building and end up with Australia's largest automotive listed company in Eagles Automotive. Um, Andrew Leo wants a view on Metcash, the uh, the big supermarket distributor uh, through uh, through IGAs. Um, also, by yeah, the way, I don't, I don't mind. Yeah, sorry, Koshi, I don't mind that sort of consumer staple space, but it was interesting, you know, just the two reactions to share prices between Coles and Woolies reporting. Coles uh, taking a bit of a bath um, in part, and again, no, we're short of time, but that whole food shrinkage or, Mm. you know, for the uninitiated theft, 20% increase in theft. I mean, that's just mind-blowing stuff. Uh, And yet the market really reacting quite well today to the Woolies result, probably helped in part to that 9% increase in dividend. But from a a Metcash point of view, the, probably the reason I'm sort of cool on them is their margin's not there. They've got about a 1.9% margin if we compare that. And this is, these numbers haven't been updated for the most recent results. But last time I looked, Coles was 2.75% and Woolies at 2.8%. Mm. So, you know, it's only a, um, mm. 75% of the margin of the big guys and girls. Um Return on equity is pretty good, you know, 20% plus return on equity. But, yeah, it's it's such a high-volume business. You want to be trying to, trying to squeak yeah. out as much margin as possible. So on that basis, it's a hold. It's okay, but right. it's hard to compete against those. Do you like any supermarket? I know, I know Woolies went up on the back of the result this morning, but um, the outlook was uh, very cautious, was I? Saying shopping baskets are being squeezed and... Yeah, it's an interesting time, Koshi, because if you believe inflation's coming off the boil, you know, and you know, some businesses, and I'm not suggesting Woolies and Coles are in this, but, you know, there has been the accusation accusation of greedflation, you know, whereby businesses have increasing costs higher than inflation and cloaking inflation as the guise in which for doing it. If inflation's coming off, that's going to be harder for all businesses right. to be doing that, including those styles. So, look, I'm I'm cool. On I'm the whole sector. On I'm, the whole sector, Yeah. Um, what what about you, Henry? Um, th- this stock must be in the running for the most boring stock of the year award. <laughs> it, it's traded between three dollars sixty and three dollars seventy since mid July. 
That is not a massive trading range, considering where the market's been and where Woolies and Coles have been. So I don't know what's wrong with it. Um, you know, Shane Jacobson's back on your TVs at the moment, which is always good to see Shane. He's fantastic. Uh, advertising IGA, and there's a lot of benefits here. Of course, it's got Mitre 10 yep. as well. Uh, so that's the Bunnings competitor. I don't mind it. It's it's probably a hold. They're probably losing a little bit of uh, market share to Aldi. Uh, they might be picking up a little bit from Coles and Woolies with the gouging that they do. I'm not suggesting they do, but they do. Uh, it, it's a it's a hold. I have to say, Koshi. It's it's okay. not very exciting. Uh, I find that you know Woolies. One year is nailing it and making all the money and everyone's drifting back to Woolies. And then the next year, Coles makes a big assault and does some um, promotion with some little gift. Um, I, was, I just hold up one of these because I've still got some of these. Look at this. <laughs> I've got these on my desk. I, I was giving them to Nadine for a while. Um, right. They're fantastic. I can't remember which supermarket did it, but they, they take it in turns, basically, to be winners. I think they've got some sort of unofficial, well, unofficial policy. They've sucked you into that. That's for sure. Uh, well, it's I, I, I just meant like, to be for the, the kiddies. I, well, it is, but I, I was collecting them for the kiddies. But the Darth Vader <laughs> one I thought was very good. Classic. It's, in about 20 years' time, that'll be worth about $3. All right. Um, which is probably where Metcash will be in about 20 years' time as well. Okay. All right. Let's move on. And uh, does Beach Energy excite you, uh, Henry? William wants to know the uh, uh, oil and gas producer, Cooper Basin, uh, been in Queensland, New South Wales. Uh, yeah. uh, a long-standing no. company, is it? 1961. Yeah, they should know better. Uh, no, it's uh, unfortunately it doesn't excite me at all. They have disappointed a number of times with the reserve downgrades. They disappointed with the numbers this time out. If you're going to play the oil and gas sector, I think there's a few stocks to go for. You might as well go big is beautiful. Uh, Meg O'Neill's doing a great job at Woodside. I think Woodside is is by far and away. The mm. way to go. If you're going to go small, I think Karoon is right. uh, the way to go as well. I, I really struggle to get excited about Beach. Every now and then they have a rally on the back of the oil price and then they put out an announcement saying that they've stuffed something else up and, and that's the way yeah. of things. I'm not right. sure Kerry Stokes is happy bunny with the uh, management of Beach, to be honest. Uh, no, a big shareholder through Seven Group Holdings. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of Beach? Yeah, and for that point, you would think that having Kerry Stokes on the register would be a big sort of green light for this business and an amber light for management, as in, you know, pull your finger out, otherwise you might sort of find yourself in borrow land. But, um, yeah, the company just doesn't seem to be getting the menu. Men, menu can't speak today. Memo. Uh, the share price is okay, but, you know, the CEO recently going as well, coming back to what we were talking about before there with Premier. So, again, I can think of a few reasons not to be there. Karoon immediately comes to mind as a buy. So this would be a hold at best. All right. All right, uh, Alfonso, Andrew wants a view on NetWealth, the, um, the funds management platform, administration platform for advisors. Yeah, so managed accounts, so that's companies like NetWealth, Hub24 and Premium, all three of them are listed on the ASX. Uh, certainly this is the way forward for financial advisors, has been for probably the last three or four years, and that's why you're seeing significant funds under management coming in because not only is it better for the client relating to transaction costs and reporting, it's also good for the advisor relating to the efficiency and the compliance piece. So it's a bit of a win for everybody. Yeah, so you can why, see why, why is that? that that's, a, that's a bit damning, isn't it, on the big financial institutions like the old AMPs and the like that had all of these licensed representatives and 
really gave them nothing and they've switched over to NetWealth now because they get better value for dollar. Well, with due respect, Koshi, again, you know, going back in history, you know, it was the, the banks and these big financial institutions were really just sort of a, a pass through for pe- for them to get money into their own products, whereas yeah. NetWealth, all these others, they're independent platforms. And so there's a whole range of them on there, but financial advisors will just literally put the money with who's got the best product at yeah. the time. Yeah. So yeah. it's probably a damning indictment on the industry over the last 10, 15 years. Um, but coming back to net wealth, uh, it is certainly uh, a quality business. Uh, the Heine family still owns mm. around 50%, and that's a positive because they still own 50%, but is that a bit of an impediment relating to any corporate activity? But strong return on equity, great profit margins. So it is certainly a great business. Probably the only thing against it, Koshi, is the price. It's trading probably 70 or 80 cents above consensus. Uh, so on, uh, you really want to buy these styles of businesses when people are disliking the share market. There's concerns about inflows coming into the market because that's how they make their money, with new money coming into the market. But in, on any of that sort of one in a year, sort of where the market sort of corrects 10 20%, if this was to come off, you'd certainly have a very close look at this one. Current pricing, it's a hold. Okay. All right. Um Henry, what do you think of net wealth? Heidi family is amazing. One of the few families that every generation has added to the family business. The original bloke who came out was a butcher. I think then they turned it into a massive trading operation. My father worked for them for a number of years as a, a big coal trader. And now the young generation has started this. Well, haven't they done well? Smart yes. family, it sounds like. Usually it's the third generation that um, loses the it. Stuffs it. Yeah, that loses it. <laughs> exactly. The, the first guy makes it, the second guy um, just stuffs around and enjoys it, and then the third guy stuffs yep. it up and loses it. Yep. So these are doing very well. Uh, I guess to me, you know, 50% shareholding from the Heine family is a good thing and a bad thing. It means liquidity can be an issue. It has run hard. It doesn't trade uh, huge dollops every day. It's a pretty good business, I have to say, and they have done very, very well. The numbers were in line. Uh, there wasn't any guidance, though, which uh, was a slight negative. Uh, I'd probably be taking some profits up here, I have to say, uh, just because it has run pretty hard. These stocks do tend to be geared to the market as well, so that's a positive. You know, when you get uh, you know very optimistic equity markets, you do get money sucked in to these platforms, and the money they have under management as well does help too because that, that rises uh, in terms of valuation. So it's got lots going for it. it it's probably a long-term hold, but just as a short-term trade, you'd probably just maybe take some profits here and wait okay. till it drops back to 50 bucks to buy it. Okay, so you wouldn't switch to Hub24 or Premium? I, I, or uh, you'd I take certainly profits wouldn't, on all of them? No, I certainly wouldn't uh, switch to Premium. Andrew probably knows better than me, but we use Premium and it's pretty... It's not great. Suboptimal right. is the answer. Uh, Hub24 and Net Wealth, I think, are the two market leaders, and, and Premium is a distant uh, okay. and UK suffering company. That, okay. um, I wouldn't. I would look at. All right, um, Henry Cara wants to be on Fletcher Building, the New Zealand-based building and materials company, but operates here in Australia as well. Uh, yeah, we've had lots of New Zealand stocks on the uh, on the call recently. This this one, I guess, is one of those New Zealand stocks that actually is almost an Aussie stock. It's a bit like yeah. Russell Crowe in some respects. This is the <laughs> Russell Crowe of the ASX because um, we do consider it ours. Uh, we did have the results recently. Final dividend, sixteen cents. Uh, it took a bit of a tumble yeah, on that. Market. The out- 
the market didn't like it. The outlook statement was a little bit uh, iffy. And I, I think, you know, it's going to take a little time to regroup. But support is around this sort of 450 level. And uh, I think, you know, long term, this is OK. But, um, you know, clearly there's some issues in terms of the Australian construction sector. We're seeing that, although housing is still uh, very much in vogue. Uh, I think this one is just going to take a little time to regroup, regather and push back up again. But 450 is support. So you're buying it on support if you're buying it here. Certainly wouldn't be selling it. And uh, this is this is a hold, okay. as, you know, the Russell Crowe of the ASX. <laughs> Don't throw your phone at her. Uh, no. All right. And Andrew, <laughs> what do you think of Fletcher? Uh, look, Andrew, the miserable would say that 425, 430 is optimal buying as opposed to suboptimal, uh, sort of that level. Uh, and again, you know, like everything that Henry just went through, the PE of 11 looks appealing, certainly versus its peers at 15 times. But again, New Zealand has got a few challenges as well, be it not only economically, but of course they had all those recent um, rains and so forth, which in theory should be positive perversely for them on the rebuilding side. But yeah, look at this stage, potentially a little bit more weakness to come for 2430. Very interested, not at these levels. Okay. It's cold. All right. And our final stock, uh, Australia's largest automotive retailing group, Eagers Automotive. Taylor wants a view, Andrew, on this. Uh, they reckon they sell 10% of all new vehicles in Australia. Uh, got a truck business as well. Um, supply chain issues are over. Used car prices are coming down to better levels at the moment. It's an interesting market for cars. Yeah, it is. And I'm just looking, as you were saying, that one thing I normally look at, but I hadn't, is the percentage shorted. So again, as we spoke about before, people yeah. betting that the company is going to come off and that shorting number of percentage uh, shorting level is actually falling. So again, the market is also saying that they're sort of quite upbeat about it as well. And even, you know, one of the, like, it's interesting to look at the last 12 months, but I tend to look at what the last five years has done. The last five years, including dividends, companies returned 17% per annum. So again, the old rule of 72, divide 17 into 72, what's that? The brain's not working today, four times, five times. So in other words, share price is doubling every four to five years. So it certainly is a quality business. Another one of my metrics that I like to use is return on equity. It's got a 24% return on shareholders' funds. So you go and stick your money into a term deposit at five they're making 24% with your money. So quality business, uh, diversified, I like it a lot. Um, let's let, let's end it on a buy. Oh, excellent! Oh, what are you do, Henry, you go back him up. Yeah, oh. I am. Oh, I'm going to say it's a buy as well. Uh, I guess the interesting thing about uh, about car dealership is, is on a number of fronts. One is petrol prices are very high. Mm. Uh, at the moment. Uh, that's pretty scary. So that pushes people into electric vehicles. We've seen Macmillan Shakespeare, SG Fleet and others producing some pretty good numbers. My best mate, who's also my godfather, let's not go there on how that works out. It's a story for another day, uh, <laughs> bought a Tesla recently. Uh, and from an, through an evaded leasing, it is cheap as chips. These guys are heavily in bed with BYD, which is the Chinese EV, EV uh, manufacturer, which is the biggest EV company in the world now, Warren Buffett. I had no got, idea uh, who yeah, they well, were. I, I, I drove one the other day, um, oh, and BYD stands for Build Your Dream. So, yep. so you build yep. your your own car. It was 
it was really good. And for an electric vehicle, I find electric vehicles a bit difficult to yeah. know when you've turned them on yeah. and when you haven't, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> it, yeah, I'm, it, I'm, it drives pretty well. I'm a flat six man myself. Yeah. Uh, so uh, APE is quality, as you say, 10% of all new cars. I haven't seen the uh, the used car price come down much either. Uh, BYD oh. is a big uh, is a big part of this. Electric vehicles are a big part of this. The whole novated leases is a big part of this. I think the transition from uh, petrol and diesel to uh, to uh, EVs is is rapidly. Uh, getting to that point where it takes off big time not not for me but um but there you go but uh yes so i like this one a lot as andrew mm. says and uh yes quality management quality company and doing very well so okay. yeah I'd, I'd probably have this as a buy okay that's a good one to end on yeah i've got a uh, son-in-law in the used car business and he's saying uh, you know how used car prices went through the roof during COVID because you couldn't buy a new yep. car now they yep particularly at the prestige end, have oh, yeah. come down a fair yeah. bit with the used cars. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, that's good to end on a buy. Uh, let's recap the uh, final five stocks. Met Cash, a hold from both Andrew and Henry. Uh, Beach, a hold from Andrew, no from Henry. Both prefer uh, Karoon. Henry also prefers uh, Woodside. Uh, Mig O'Neill, the boss of that, uh, really impressive, was on Ausbiz earlier today uh, talking through their results. Uh, Netwealth takes some profits at these levels from Henry, a hold um, uh, hold from Andrew, uh, Fletcher, a hold from both, and Eagers Automotive, a buy from both. Andrew Wylop from DP Advisory, good to see you, mate. Thank you for joining us. Always great to have you on. Thanks, Koshi. Be good, be careful, be safe. Yes, well, very wise words indeed. And particularly to Henry Jennings with his little uh, figurines there, gone from Darth Vader to uh, a little dinosaur. Lovely. All right. Okay, mate. We'll let you to play with your toys. Hopefully the market doesn't see you throwing your toys out of the cot. All right. uh, That's it for uh, the call for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle. And we will be back same time tomorrow at midday. Eastern Standard Time. See you then. More of Ausbiz coming up next with The Pulse. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.